Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. The following is a Hoopball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Gee, I wonder what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> oh, man. How about yesterday, huh? Literally five minutes, within five minutes, might have been less even, of posting yesterday's podcast, the Chris Paul news broke. And then everybody was like, oh, well, maybe that was the big one for the day. And uh, you could argue that it still was the big one for the day. But two, also, in my estimation, one extraordinarily large and one pretty large trade happened in the evening as well. So sit back, relax. We're putting ADP discussions on pause for today to talk about a giant first day of NBA trades on Monday. Boy, they came out swinging. Oh, there was also a sign-and-trade mixed in there, which technically I think is tampering, but nobody seems to care, so we'll talk about that also. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today. I am your host, Dan Bespris, and I want to remind everyone at the beginning of the show, Hoop Ball Leagues are open for 2020-2021. We'll be hosting them over at Fantrax. They are all nine-category leagues. We have free Roto Leagues, free head-to-head leagues, and we have $50 buy-in on both Roto and head-to-head the breakdown, people are asking about the breakdown, the Roto uh, leagues that pay money, uh, the, the cash ones, the uh, third place team gets their buy-in back and then the rest is split, something like 75-25, roughly the remaining cash for first and second place. And the head-to-head league, 75% goes to first place, 25% goes to second place. Again, $50 buy-in, so uh, that would be 450 and 150 for the two teams, respectively. So Hoop Ball Leagues are open. There's a couple ways you can get yourself involved. We did get a few emails yesterday, which is great. That means you guys were listening. You can shoot me an email to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com or tweet at me at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I have also, against all odds, against the advice of the general public, opened up my direct messages. I have opened the DMs on Twitter, so if you want to slide in there... And shoot me a note about getting into a hoop ball league. That also works. I will be putting you guys in touch with our good friend, uh, Andre Lemos, who handles the leagues with me this year and will get you positioned. By the way, everybody's like, well, I'll do this if there's availability or whatever you like. Don't say whatever you like. I need you to tell me what type of league you want to be in because they are all open and we'll just keep opening new ones as long as people keep coming out of the woodwork to join them. So, like, right now, just in people returning from last year, we already have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. We already have 10 leagues open just from people returning from last year. I think total last year we had 13. So, uh, by all accounts, we'll pro- 14? We'll probably pass that number this year, and that's great. We'll open up 100 if we have to. 
This is still the very much the early end of signups to this. We'll be doing it until basically like December 5th. So we've got two and a half, almost three weeks left to get into a hoop ball league. So when you write in, don't say whatever you want, Dan. Say, well, tell me what you want. Say, I would like to be in a Roto free league, or I want to be in two leagues, a cash Roto league and a head-to-head free league, or whatever. You can have multiple teams. We don't care. We just want this to be fun. We want as many people involved in this as possible. So uh, hit me up. This is a lot. Of, this, is, this is one of the things we do that is just straight enjoyment. So again, you can hit me on Twitter, at Dan Vespers for whatever. Obviously, if it's about hoop ball leagues, that's great. If you have other questions, you can get me there as well. Um, Please don't use the direct messages to ask me questions about your fantasy team. This is for hoop ball leagues right now. They will probably be closed in a couple of weeks. Um, or again, you can email Team Hoopball, all one word, at hoop-ball.com. Cool. That's fun. Everybody's like, Dan, you do too many promos. But this is a promo for you guys. This isn't for a sponsor. This is so you guys can get in some leagues and have some fun. Let's dive right into the craziness. Yesterday, at about 10 a.m. Pacific time, Chris Paul was traded to the Phoenix Suns for Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre, uh, and a pick, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Let me make sure I've got the exact details of that right. I'm certainly more concerned with the players involved because this is a fantasy basketball podcast. And while the pick is straight up hilarious, because now Oklahoma City has 17 early picks over the next, I think, six drafts, jokes flying that... uh, David Griffin and Sam Presti are just going to be drafting head-to-head for the next half decade. We are more concerned by the uh, Abdel Nader was uh, traded to the Suns as well. He was part of that deal. Ty Jerome, Jalen, uh, is that LeCue? I don't even know who that is. Sorry, guys. That's not my cup of tea. Uh, it was a protected 22 first rounder. That was what uh, went back to the Oklahoma City Thunder. So, Let's talk about this. what this means for the parties involved. We'll start with the player on this list that is the largest name, and that, of course, is CP3. And from a stability standpoint, this is a huge win for Chris Paul. Even though his role in Phoenix could actually be diminished, and we'll, we'll dive into that here in just a second, just the fact that we now know where he's going to be this year— the, the, to me, the giant cloud hanging over Chris Paul is, you know, if, if he was getting drafted in that 18 range, I would be hard-pressed to take him because I thought, all right, well, you know, if, if he's on the Thunder, they're going to be wrapping him in, in bubble wrap this year. So he wasn't going to play every game. He was probably going to rest once a week, probably once out of every three or four games while he was still on the Thunder. He might have put up really big numbers in the other three out of those four games he was playing because he'd be like, well, I get a rest day every four, so let's just, you know, go bananas. But he wasn't part of their future plans. By the way, kudos, clap on air to Chris Paul and the Thunder. They pulled this off just the way that it needed to be pulled off. And and look, this is, this, by the way, speaks, I think, to the maturity of Chris Paul, who was traded to Oklahoma City and was like, look, I get it. He's smart, man. There are a lot of players in the NBA where they'd be like, trade me now. Trade me now. And the Thunder were like, look, Chris, let's look at this paper together. You're going to get paid about $120 million over the next three years. We're not going to be able to move you after the season you had in Houston. If you want to get moved, and you want to get moved to a team where you'll have fun and have a chance to win, we need to do X. And what X was was, Chris, 
You need to show that you can stay healthy for a year. You need to show that you're still a good basketball player, and we'll get you out of here. And he exceeded all expectations because that's Chris Paul. He was like, I get it. This is what I need to do. All the while, he was helping orchestrate a bubble that was infinitely successful. So Chris Paul gets our clap of the day for everything that he did during this last NBA season, and now he gets rewarded. He gets sent to an up-and-coming Phoenix Suns team that with him on the roster is now, you know, I thought they were going to be battling for the last playoff spot in the West. I think they probably get it now. And I don't think I'm overreacting. People are like, Chris Paul, he's old, whatever. He's a, he's a monster difference maker on the basketball court. From a floor general standpoint, from a defensive awareness standpoint, just being good standpoint. Last year, he averaged 18-5-7 and seven with 1.6 steals per game on under 13 shots a game. He shot 49% from the field and 91% at the free throw line. He was brilliant for that Thunder team, and he was especially good late in ball games when his type of offense becomes, well, relatively unguardable. He gets the switch onto the big man. He gets them on their heels. He takes his mid-range elbow jumper. And he shoots 50% on those things. That's good offense. That's good offense. So, not that Phoenix needs someone to take the ball out of Devin Booker's hands, but to have another guard that can create, that can make those clutch plays. Phoenix has actually some very good late-game scorers now. And... What they also have is arguably the best pick-and-roll point guard, I mean, John Stockton, but maybe ever, maybe ever. Top three, unquestionably. Chris Paul's going to make DeAndre Ayton better. He's going to make Devin Booker better. He's going to make Mikael Bridges better. He's going to make Cam Johnson better. He's going to make whoever the hell they've got on that team this coming year better. And everybody's like, well, Chris Paul is super old. They sent away uh, Kelly Oubre. That's going to really hurt them. Guys, the Suns swept the bubble with Kelly Oubre out. Remember, you had a torn meniscus, or it was a knee thing. It was a meniscus thing. Cool. Kelly Oubre didn't even play in the bubble. So this is basically taking the bubble Suns, who looked, frankly, like the best team in the NBA during those eight games. And admittedly, the other teams were a little bit, you know, in a haze. The Suns are not going to sweep the table and go 72-0. They're not as good as we saw in the bubble. They're not as bad as, you know, what we saw in the middle of last season, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. This is just this is just such a good thing for all of the players on Phoenix right now. And Chris Paul reunited with Monty Williams. So, side bonus. Okay, so it takes the question mark off of Chris Paul. Now we know he's going to try to play in most games this coming year. I think this is actually definitely a good thing for his expected games played this coming season. If we looked at him... If he played the whole season with the Thunder, I think the expected games played was like 55 out of 72. With Phoenix, you probably ratchet that up by seven or eight games. That's a big deal for an early round type of guy. From a production standpoint, he probably doesn't end up inside the top 12 or 15 this year. Again, he doesn't need a lot of activity to get there, but he was unquestionably the leader of that Thunder team. And he was passive at times. He was, he gave the ball to Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Danilo, Danilo Gallinari and Dennis Schroeder and whoever else needed it at times. But he was the man making those determinations. In Phoenix, he's not 
the guy that's going to be making those determinations on an every play basis. So to me, there's almost no question that his role diminishes season over season. Getting to 12 and a half shots is actually not that hard. He may get pretty close to that number of shots, but you know, I, I think the rebounding is probably a little bit lower in Phoenix. I think they ask a little bit less of him. They probably don't want him playing 31 to 32 minutes a game. So I, I think I would dial him back from, remember he finished at number uh, 14, if you include the bubble, uh, if we peel the bubble off, Chris Paul was, I think, still there. Yeah, he was still number 14 at uh, 18, 5, and 7. So he was a little bit better pre-bubble than in-bubble, but it was it was almost a wash. Uh, so if you if you take a little bit off of Chris Paul, if you peel back, let's say 10%, and 18 points becomes you know, 16 and change, you know, it goes down to 4.5 rebounds, 6.2 one assist something like that it's not it's not a crushing blow but it does drop him back from early second round to probably late second round if that's the if that's the determination you're making he probably drops back by about two-thirds to one round of value and then you hope that there's relative durability so as you're plotting out your board now Keep an eye on where he's going. I think people are going to be lower on Chris Paul playing alongside guys that are higher usage in Phoenix, but I don't think it's going to be that big, that steep of a drop-off. In fact, I think he's going to be really excited about playing on a team that has aspirations of making a playoff run. The Thunder sort of didn't. He kind of created that for them this year. That's how good he is at keeping a team in line. Like, this is this is a big deal. And what I'll also note on Chris Paul, if you're, ta- if you're talking about him probably hitting an ADP, you know, again, we talked about how durable he was this year. He, he, he blew away even our ultra-high expectations. He was a hoop ball guy. He was a fantasy NBA Today guy from long before last season ever got going. He was sort of like our main target. I was even getting mocked because of how much love I was showing for him. Not because people disagreed with me, but they were like, look, you're, you got to calm down. Uh, he ended up at number seven by totals last year. Remember, that was that was wild. I wouldn't expect him to get that high, but if you're looking at a top 22-ish, 22, 20 to 25 range on a per-game basis, if he plays in 85% of their games, he actually beats that mark. He ends up as a mid-second rounder. And if he's going in the mid-second round, he wipes out his value. If he's going, as we saw in our, our some of our early drafts, in the third round, I might be tempted to, to dive into Chris Paul again. What about the other guys? Uh, well, Devin Booker, you know, he's always going to be significantly better in 8-cat than 9-cat um, because of his four turnovers a game. Uh, I think he takes plenty of shots. I don't think that Chris Paul adversely affects him almost in any way, shape, or form. In fact, I think Paul's going to look at his team and go, this guy needs to be getting as many shots in rhythm as we can get him, which is a little bit like what Ricky Rubio was doing. Chris Paul's just better at it. So I wouldn't adjust Devin Booker very much. Uh, I would think that DeAndre Ayton is primed now to have a very good year. To have that type of point guard play. And for Ayton, he was bad in the bubble. So he sort of pulled himself down with some lackadaisical bubble play. Uh, but he's he doesn't really have much in the way of competition at big man anymore. So they need him to stay healthy. I think he knows that. And I think he's going to end up being closer to where he was drafted last year. Even though... 
I think he's probably going to slip a tiny bit. Last year, he was getting drafted around 20. By the way, he finished at 20. He just had a horrible season from a suspension and injury standpoint. I think he probably finishes around 20 again and is healthier. So there's a, I think there's a decent value on him as well. And then, you know, listen, like we've, we've talked at great length about the, the rest of the Phoenix Suns, the, the guys that are not the, the big names on that team. Uh, Mikael Bridges, who ended up having a, a spectacular second half of the season and a very good bubble. Cam Johnson, who was non-existent for most of the year and then had a very good bubble. And then do we see if they bring back any of their other guys? Like, do they sign a backup center that we have to keep an eye on? Do they sign another power forward that we have to keep an eye on? Or do they just slide everybody up and go with a starting unit of, uh, of Cam Johnson at power forward? Who I mean, he's 6'8", so he can get there. He's just not that thick yet. And it, would it be DeAndre Ayton, Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, uh, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul? Where you then have kind of more defensive-minded floor spreader types at the three and the four, kind of like three and D at two different spots. And then you've got your offensive, true offensive options at one, two, and five. That That's a distinct possibility. It's basically how they were running things during the bubble. They're going to need some depth, though. Some of those guys are going to end up dead if they're playing giant minutes all season long without anybody truly capable of backing them up. And, the, and their backups are super young. So uh, Phoenix still has to address a little bit of that stuff, but uh, you know I, I would consider I would consider all five of those starters fantasy relevant. I would say I would say Cam Johnson is the least interesting of the five, even though he did have a good bubble run. It's just he's not going to have that many opportunities once these games really matter and teams start game planning a little bit. So if you're going to look at fantasy values, uh, I would say that. In nine-category leagues, believe it or not, I think DeAndre Ayton probably is your best Phoenix Sun from a fantasy standpoint. Then Chris Paul, then Booker. Uh, Eight-cat, you can you can put Booker at the front of the list, but he drops back behind the other two guys because of the four turnovers a game. Uh, in nine-cat, Roto, and head-to-head, as we've talked about, you sort of kind of throw turnovers off to the side. Uh, Mikael Bridges, legit chance to have a top 60 fantasy season. And then Cam Johnson, big question mark. I'll, I'll, I'll call him somewhere around the edges of the top 120. Because I haven't, I don't believe that he can do what he was doing in the bubble for a full season, and I don't think that all the other guys we saw in the bubble are going to do what they did. Some guys having really poor shooting times, where it created this sort of artificial ranking of some guys who shot the ball pretty well. You kind of know that's going to happen over an eight-game sample size. On the other side of this trade, <laughs> like we're running out of things to talk about today. I mean, crap! But if we get through all. All of the trades on today's show is going to be a, a big win. On the other side of this trade, you've got Ricky Rubio and Kelly Oubre going to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Thunder have already now, and I, has it been consummated yet? I don't know if the Dennis Schroeder to the Lakers trade has been consummated, but I assume that it's about to happen. So Ricky Rubio now becomes part of the starting backcourt on that team with Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who's frankly kind of too tall to be a traditional point guard anyway. So Rubio's going to play unless he gets moved. I still like him a lot, actually. And Kelly Oubre. Those guys are all going to have to play in OKC. I mean, I know Oubre Oubre's on an expiring deal. I, I think Rubio might have one more year after this one, if I'm not mistaken. I think and Phoenix signed him to uh, a three-year deal. We'll double-check on that. Uh, I'm sure Oklahoma City is going to keep trying to move guys. I'm sure they're going to try to move Danny Green when that trade is done. 
Uh, Rubio with two years left makes him a little bit harder to move. Ubre, I believe, is uh, his deal is expiring this year, but we'll triple check on that just to make sure. I've been I'm saying it out loud, but I I got to make sure that I'm right. And yeah, so uh, he's got a fourteen and a half million dollar deal. So they might try to move Ubre and and see if they got something else, which of course attaches a little bit of of risk to him. Uh, but as long as he's in OKC, he is easily their best option on the wing. So those guys, I don't think their value changes that much. If anything, it might even go up a little bit. Of course, with Ubre, there's the fear that he gets moved. But listen, he was playing 35 minutes a game last year and taking 15 shots a game. I don't, I don't know that there's that much more he's really going to be doing this coming season. I would just say, look, there's, there's, there is upside. And with Rubio, who had a good year. Mind you, he was number 61 in nine category leagues. Turnovers probably go up. He could have a 10 assist season, depending on how they let him do things in OKC. I see no reason to avoid either of those guys, other than with Rubio, you know, there's a little bit of an injury history thing. Uh, and then, of course, Shea Gilgis Alexander, you know, the door is wide open for him now. Not that he wasn't doing a ton already, but he played 35 minutes a game last year. He showed he was a durable basketball player, no Schroeder, no Chris Paul. He's the unquestioned, no Danilo Gallinari, he's the unquestioned leader of that team now. So a lot of stuff came back into the, into the world for these guys to use. Gallo took 14 shots a game last year. We, turned, we told you Chris Paul took 13. Uh, what the hell was Schroeder at? Where are you, Dennis? How many shots did you take last year? 15. You take 15, 14, and 12, or 13, and throw them away, and you're, you're talking about... Uh, over 40 shots a game that left. And Danny Green ain't about to take more than seven, and if he's even there. So that's a lot of offense for Shea and Ubre and sort of Rubio, I guess, to be chewing up. So I, I love this trade. I, I mean, everybody involved is in a great spot. Chris Paul goes to a place where maybe he doesn't see quite as much usage, but he's in a situation where things are going to be really easy for him to rack up the non-scoring stats. The guy's going to Oklahoma City. This was like... This was fantasy juice in the morning. That was an easy one to like. By the way, if you want to know how all of this affects actual projections, go get yourself the fantasy pass at hoop-ball.com. It's $4.99 a month. Go do it. Please go do it. It's such a big deal for us. This is how we continue to grow uh, by, by moving these units as the season approaches. This is the critical time. This is when we sell stuff at HoopBall, and the Fantasy Pass has the Brewski 150 that'll be added right around the beginning of December. It's super early, so you're going to have it for three weeks before the season starts, roughly. Uh, it's, it has the draft guide in it, which all of these players' values are being adjusted as we speak. The HoopBall team works round the clock on that stuff. The great Mike Pasador, winner of 30 deep and maybe kind of secretly one of the best minds in all of fantasy sports, is running just a, a an unbelievable unit. Get the fantasy pass. It's got the draft guide. It's got the B150. It's going to have all the in-season tools. So that's how you can really understand what this means from a, like, what real numbers are these guys putting up and where should you draft them? The B-150 is going to tell you where you should draft these guys. These are the calls that make a difference for your team. Hoop-ball.com is the website. The Fantasy Pass is what you need. $4.99 a month. $4.99 a month. The Fantasy Pass at Hoop-ball.com. Go get it right now. The next trade that broke, and 
Jeez, I hope we're going to have time to get through all this stuff. I'm not going to rush it, though. If we run out of time, we'll just stretch it into the next day. The next big trade to break was the Rob Covington trade, which broke about three minutes before the Drew Holiday one. So we're going we're gonna to go in order, damn it. Oh, by the way, Jeremy Grant opted out of his deal with the Nuggets, which was the plan all along. We'll see where he ends up. He remains one of the guys that we're keeping a, a close watch on to see if he becomes kind of buzzy or if he does still kind of fly under the radar a little bit. So uh, just something to, to yeah, file into the back of your mind. This is, by the way, not even talking about James Harden declining his extension and asking to go to Brooklyn. But listen, well, all of these things in due time. Uh, they basically broke at the same moment. Rob Covington and the Drew Holiday trade. Remember a few years ago when the trade, the Bucks, the, the Bucks trade, it was the Eric Bledsoe trade? Well, now he was the second biggest name in that one. But uh, we'll get to that one next. Rob Covington traded to the Blazers for Trevor Ariza. And uh, a a couple of first-rounders. Portland finally had an opportunity (laughs) to to go and spend money on somebody. And finally started getting their picks back. And they immediately shipped them out. That said, they did it for one of my favorite fantasy players on planet freaking Earth. And that's our buddy Rob Covington. Who is going to fit in quite nicely in Portland. Um... You know, he won't have the same upside that he had in Houston, where he was getting to play center minutes and tons of power forward minutes with no real center next to him. Yusuf Nurkic is going to be a hoover for rebounds on that team, but Covington is probably going to play the lion's share of the power forward minutes on this Portland roster. He makes perfect sense alongside Dame and CJ and Nurk. He's not going to get as much activity as he got with the Rockets. Because with the Rockets... He was putting up, I mean, he was a mid-second rounder in fantasy for the last roughly month and a half this year. Over the entire season, he was number 40 in nine category leagues. And I think this does push him back towards those numbers a little bit, frankly. Uh, His full season numbers were 13 points, six and a half rebounds, two and a half three-pointers, 2.8 combined defensive stats on 43% shooting and about 80% at the free throw line. So uh, this is, there's, there's no way around the simple fact that this is kind of crummy news if you're a big Rob Covington guy, which I am, because in Houston, he was number 16 in fantasy on 13 and 8 with three and a half defensive stats on the year and three three pointers a game. In actuality, he probably falls somewhere in between those two because early in the year, he was getting his legs back. Late in the year, he was being asked to do big man type of things, which were great for his fantasy value, but probably not great for his long-term health. Uh, and, and, you know, 2.8 combined defensive stats a game is, um, I would argue, a more real expectation for him than 3.5, although he does have the profile to, to get close to that. You know, in, in uh, the first 13 games with Philly a couple years ago, he averaged 3.5 defensive stats per game. The rest of that year with Minnesota, before getting injured, he was at uh, 3.4 defensive stats per game. So, uh, I mean, he's, he's done it before. So to say, you know, his time in Minnesota this year where he was at 2.6 defensive stats, excuse me, 2. Point, yeah, 2.6 was fluky. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess you could argue that because basically since he's been playing 30-plus minutes a game, he's never really been below 2.6 combined defensive stats so as he goes to Portland I think you can 
fairly well bank on the idea that he'll be around three defensive stats per game. He'll probably make about two and a half three-pointers per game. And then a lot of the other stuff is is a little more up in the air. Is he going to shoot 40% or 42%? Is he going to get five and a half rebounds or six and a half rebounds? Which, of course, puts him closer to that 30 range than 15, uh, but also probably not as deep as 40, where he was for the entire season after, frankly, having a, a slow start to the year with Minnesota. He wasn't quite himself. Even though he was scoring about the same the defensive stats being more towards the bottom of his career marks, that makes all the difference. So I still love Rob Covington, but this is unquestionably a negative for his fantasy value, and the question then becomes really how much do we adjust him down? Meanwhile, on the other side, I don't know what the hell Trevor Rees is going to end up doing this year. Does he fall behind the pack in Houston? This is obviously part of a rebuild that's starting for the Rockets. He's not a guy you're going out there and drafting at least until we find out what else Houston is doing. So let's, you know, let's let's keep it all in check. Guys, take a minute here, please, to check out our buddies over at manscaped.com. Please. <laughs> Isn't that a great advertisement? Go to manscaped.com, use promo code HOOPBALL20 on the Lawnmower 3.0 or the Weed Whacker. Or the Shears 2.0. That's the luxury nail kit. Mine is coming in the mail. And I am super excited about it because my nails are a disaster. You can get 20% off and free shipping on any of these products. They're a great company to work with. Their products are just really freaking good. Manscaped.com is the website. Coupon code, once again, HoopBall20, all one word. The Lawnmower. The Weed Whacker. Skin-safe technology, waterproof technology, massive battery life, or the luxury nail kit. Get your fingernails to not be such a mess. Get rid of all those jagged edges, ones that are longer and ones that are shorter. It just, and it's not, I mean, that one's only 20 bucks. So you can get it for 16 Do it now, manscaped.com. Dan sent you with promo code HOOPBALL20. Um, I don't know that we're going to get to the Bogdan thing, and frankly, you know, that one I don't think can be official until tomorrow question mark so we might talk about that one on a future podcast but i definitely want to get to the drew holiday trade that one is of great import and has lasting implications because drew holiday on an expiring contact right now contract if dan could remember how to speak went for a huge haul Although he does have a player option, most likely he'll opt out of it and go for a bigger deal. So that's why everybody's talking about it as an expiring deal, because he'll probably opt out and go somewhere else. The, uh, the, the final numbers on the Drew Holiday trade are that the Bucks are sending Eric Bledsoe and George Hill to the Pelicans for Drew Holiday, plus three first-round picks and a pair of pick swaps. That's enormous. That is a lot. Look, I, Drew Holiday is a really good basketball player, but that is everything the Bucks have. They sent him everything. Also, by the way, side note: isn't doesn't Drew Holiday, from just a like stature and game standpoint, seem like somebody took Eric Bledsoe and just gave him a power up? They're like, here, Bledsoe, eat this Mario mushroom. 
and then he's just Drew Holiday. So they power-boosted their point guard, turning Eric Bledsoe into maybe the best guard defender in the NBA. This is unquestionably an upgrade for Milwaukee. Drew Holiday is better than Eric Bledsoe. He's uh, an all-star level player. I mean, he's, he's sort of fringe all-star in the West, and he's a, a shoe-in all-star, I would think, in the Eastern Conference. Holiday averaged 19 points, 19.5 points, five boards, seven assists, two and a half defensive stats last year. There, there, isn't very little, there isn't very little that he can't do well. Of course, the one thing that he doesn't do all that great is create his own shot sort of come playoff time. I don't know that he solves Milwaukee's playoff situation, their their issue. I mean, that team is a, a bona fide regular season juggernaut that still hasn't shown me they know what to do when a team packs the paint. It almost felt like the best thing the Bucks could have done would have been to just get shooting beyond their wildest dreams and spread the floor like nobody's business, although they kind of had that. They kind of had that this year, and the Heat still beat them. Does Drew Holiday get them over the top against Miami? Obviously, it gives them a better player. You know what gets them over the top against a team like Miami packing the paint? Playing their starters more than 31 minutes. This is bad, by the way, for Drew Holiday's fantasy value. He's not going to average 25-7 and seven with Milwaukee, taking 17 shots a game and playing 35 minutes. Coach Bud is not going to play him 35 minutes a game during the regular season. Chris Middleton played 30. Giannis played 30. Bledsoe played 27. Look for Drew Holiday to play around 30 minutes a game this year. And just from a percentages standpoint, 35 down to 30, you're wiping out about 15 to 20% of someone's playing time. And sure, maybe he goes harder during the 30 minutes he's on the floor instead of 35, but I don't care how you shake it out. From a usage standpoint, there just isn't as much there. And so as much as I loved the fact that Drew Holiday was getting drafted in the 30s, his ADP, I don't know, does it drop precipitously after this news? Possibly, and then maybe he becomes a value again. But now I look at his numbers and I'm like, look, this dude's going to be lucky to be inside the top 35 this year. I don't think he does it percentages boosting would be the way that he gets back into that discussion again because it's not going to be usage. He's their third now offensive option. And you could argue there were stretches in New Orleans where he was their third offensive option, but he always got his, and they played so damn fast. Milwaukee does too, but they blow people out. His minutes are going to go down. There's no question, and if your minutes go down by that much, your value's going down too. So this is not good for Drew Holiday's fantasy value. From, his, from a mental psyche standpoint, this is great for him. He's going to play for a winning team. On the other side, and I don't know what the Pelicans plan on doing with the, the stuff that they got, my guess would be that someone like George Hill is immediately on the trade block. I think George Hill is an expiring contract, but we'll check it while we're doing our show. He's not somehow. That's mind-boggling. He's on a three-year deal? Boy, how did I forget that? That's that's a that's wild. Uh, so I don't know. They may end up having to stick with George Hill. Maybe a contender will want to pick him up for two years. He's obviously very good at the things he does. And then with Bledsoe, uh, he also is a couple years left on his thing. So I don't know how easy it's going to be to move these guys. My thought would be that Bledsoe just sort of drops into Drew Holiday's minutes for the most part. Maybe a few. I don't think he's going to play 35 minutes a game. A, a couple less than that. Maybe more like 
28 to 32, but get him in there, perhaps alongside Lonzo Ball, maybe picking up most of the backup guard minutes on that team. Uh, Zion at one of the big spots, Brandon Ingram uh, on the wing. You've got J.J. Redick and Josh Hart, sort of also wing type of guys. Lonzo, the exclusive point guard. No, I I mean, I think you see Bledsoe chew up plenty of minutes at the one and the two. Hey, I think he still ends up being a value this year. Plus, everybody's fantasy value gets a huge boost in New Orleans. I know they're not ever under Alvin Gentry anymore, but, I mean, that team is what it is, and they're just going to get out and they're going to get silly. And Stan Van Gundy's a good coach. I think he gets I think he gets a lot out of Bledsoe, who finished at 80 this year, and nobody's even thinking about him. He's a total fantasy afterthought. He played 27 minutes and was hurt most of the year. He has nowhere to go but up. I think Eric Bledsoe might be your giant winner in this, almost maybe on this whole saga. Okay, fine. Maybe the guys, maybe Kelly Oubre is your biggest winner in the saga, but Bledsoe to me is is got to be up there. And all the stuff that was happening yesterday. By the way, you know, Bogdan, who we're probably not even going to talk about on today's show, Bogdan Bogdanovich going to Milwaukee also cluster messes how many shots everybody's going to be getting out there. Bledsoe ends up in a place where they're just shots beyond his wildest dreams. Ingram, Zion, they're all taking shots. Lonzo didn't want to shoot all that much. Redick takes his when he gets them. All those guys end up hurt intermittently, maybe Bledsoe included, although we'll see. It was relatively durable for a few years prior to this last season. Um, you know, Bledsoe was at 15 half points, five boards, five and a half assists. Steals were way down. Those will come back this coming year. Half a block a game, 48 from the field, 81 at the free throw line. All you have to do to his numbers from last year is move his steals back to what they normally are in 30 minutes a game, which is like 1.3. And that dude jumps up near the top 50. It doesn't take much, man. An extra 40 steals a year is a big deal in Roto. I think Bledsoe is going to be a massive value this season. What a fun day yesterday, huh? So George Hill, uh, no, no thank you. Bledsoe, yes please. He's going late, and he'll probably keep going late because people think he's cooked. I don't. And then Drew Holiday, you know, we'll have to see what his ADP looks like after this. He wasn't going very early prior to this trade. He was going pretty close, I think, to where he finished this last year, and I thought, oh, that's great because, you know, pretty durable, uh, put up good numbers, free throw percent probably comes back a little bit. He was an all-upside type of play. Not anymore, depending on where he ends up getting drafted. So we will, I think, put a pin in the uh, news discussion. We'll talk the uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich likely sign and trade, which, you know, apparently is happening, although it can't happen technically yet. And uh, we'll break down what that means, by the way. It means much more for the guys going to Sacramento than it does for Bogdan Bogdanovich because he becomes fourth, arguably fifth, option in Milwaukee yeah that ain't great but yeah we'll talk about that uh, on tomorrow's show last thing on today's show is to tell you guys about our friends over at mybookie.ag I know we got a lot of these things right now but this is what the year has brought us and we love it we have great corporate partners they've been wonderful to us and I hope you guys will give them a shot mybookie.ag they've got the draft you can bet on the NBA draft that's coming up tomorrow which we're barely even paying attention to on this thing We've got their free blackjack tournaments. There's a $10,000 weekly blackjack tournament with free entry. Chance to win 
$10,000 in prizes, free entry. College football rolling right now, NFL rolling right now. Uh, I think we'll have some cool stuff going on over at MyBookie as college basketball and the NBA gets going. MyBookie.ag, so easy to cash out an e-check in a couple of days. Bitcoin in a couple of hours, if you're into that stuff. I'm trying to learn a little bit more myself about Bitcoin and and crypto. Uh, And that's what makes MyBookie so simple. They are uh, available in almost across the globe. A few countries that I don't think they operate but almost all of you guys listening to this podcast, you are eligible to join up and uh, play some wagers. You bet, you win, they pay. It's mybookie.ag. Promo code when you sign up is hoopball. Hoopball when you sign up. It's great. Do it. You don't even have to deposit to play in the blackjack tournaments. Mybookie.ag. Again, promo code is hoopball. Check it out immediately. And that's where we'll leave off on today's show. Hopefully that breakdown on the trades was helpful for you guys. We will, of course, start slotting dudes in. And as I mentioned earlier, if you want the official projections and ranks from the guys over at Hoopball, you can get that in the Fantasy Pass. We will continue to put guys into buckets here on Fantasy NBA Today. You guys know I'm all about simplifying. That said, it's always good to have the B-150. And I'm very lucky that I get it for free because I'm a Hoopballer. We're also recruiting, by the way. Maybe that's the recruiting pitch. If you're great and you work here, you get access to the B-150. Go get the Fantasy Pass for $4.99 over at hoop-ball.com. This is Fantasy NBA Today. By the way, thank you to everybody new that's coming on board. It's this time of year. It's new listener season. Love you guys. You're the best. I'm Dan Vesperus. Have a wonderful Tuesday. Figure out what the hell day it was. Draft tomorrow. Free agency Friday. It's a good week. Trades happening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.